This is Reclaiming Yourself, brought to you with PhytologyHub.com. How we overcome fears, find our inner strength, and trust ourselves. Now here's your host, Suzanne Keatley. Charlie Steatham. (laughs) (laughs) Or Statham. No, I'll say Statham. So welcome, Charlie (laughs) Statham. (laughs) Thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast. (laughs) We were having a chat on Monday morning, weren't we, after our session and we were just nattering and then the natter turned into why don't you come and let's do this on a podcast because we talked a lot about um yoga body image ivf lots of different topics um and potential like careers and fitness and what they look like and so let's start there let's start with you who are you who's where do you exist in the world (laughs) um i am 37 I am, oh, I, I currently... You live in Broccoli? No, I don't. I live in Forest Hill. You live in Forest Hill. I forget this information. So. <laughs> I live in Forest Hill, so I'm not far from here. Which is where I live. So I should really remember that you. piece of information. I have been to the same place that you live <laughs> above. above. That's me. Um, <laughs> so far, we've got my age. So I used to be an actor. That's what I first moved to London for when I was... 22 having trained in musical theatre so I was never really I was more sort of acting singing and a bit of a bit of dancing I sort of enjoyed it but I wasn't particularly rhythmic I was brought up outside London so grew up in like near Reading and then I went to drama school in Guildford and then moved here and I lived in Balham I think first but yeah so I moved to London spent kind of seven years trying to work in the music theatre industry, of which I did bits and bobs, but I never really got where I wanted to be with it. Horrible industry. (laughs) I mean, it's amazing when you're doing something, but it's cutthroat. It's not that much about talent. It's about how you look, where you are, who you know, Mm. being the right place at the right time, being lucky, being the right body size and look for a character. So that was a pretty... It was a lot. When I stopped doing acting I sort of made a big decision to just go I can't do it anymore most people kind of fall into something else and just kind of do that at that point I hadn't fallen into anything else but I was like I just can't carry on doing this I think it was that's really brave isn't it to yeah to kind of to be able to say that to kind of draw a line and and say I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do but I know I can't do this anymore yeah I think because it'd been all I'd ever wanted to do and suddenly I was like this is the only thing I've ever wanted to do. What do I want to do now? Mm. I thought it was best to sort of explore options and sort of not write off the acting, but just probably not pursue it as much at that point. And sort of, I mean, I still to this day consider myself like an actor really at heart. Yeah, so I started being an office manager for um, an interior design studio, mainly because I've done, alongside acting, I'd done a bit of everything, but I probably thought that administrative stuff that kind of thing was probably the best sort of stability wise. So, and then I did a, yeah, I worked for ITV as, and that was a PA. Again, really enjoyed parts of it, but I was like, I just don't like working in an office, mm. particularly being an assistant. I kind of was, I think the problem was, is I was helping out and seeing them create all these TV shows and I just wanted to be presenting them or acting in them or whatever it was. So I think it was like not the right place. And then I I think I was just having a, a point in time where I was like, I've got to give my notice here, but I can't, I felt like again, oh, I have nothing to go on to. I guess ever since I've been in London, I've sort of grown to do much more fitness and yoga and things like that and got quite into a lot of those things. And prior to that? 
prior prior to drama school I did very little I I think the thing the problem was is when I was at school I loved gymnastics and I loved I sort of liked ballet and things like that but I hated team sports I'm you can't see me because it's a podcast but I'm five foot two so I was never picked in netball and I was awful at running and anything that involved kind of um endurance fitness <laughs> such so, a pressurizing thing as well isn't it when yeah because it feels like you've just described PE in general and then you get to do a bit of gymnastics was gymnastics part of the curriculum then so I did gymnastics as a, as a small child I went to like a separate out of school club okay. and then in my secondary school for the first three years so seven to nine um we did it as well it's so it was an all-girls school but then after that it was just not an option anymore just after that it was just team sports and there was no real I think Mm. and I I carried on doing ballet and got teased for it because it was like oh only the only the like babies do that so I stopped doing ballet because of it (laughs) and also because I was bigger than all the other skinny little girls doing it so (laughs) it's so difficult isn't it because you found the thing that you enjoyed and loved yeah and sport and physical activity is such a broad range isn't there there's so many different aspects of it and we love some of it and we hate some of it and that's absolutely fine and but what you found the physical movement that you love and still yeah. you were and I always liked yeah it's yeah. things like gymnastics I wasn't like amazing at it but I enjoyed it any of the yeah, sort of exactly. climbing on the apparatus any of those things like jumping around yeah. the the gym hall yeah. I loved that and I found it really enjoyable but yes then it became no the options are netball and well, there wasn't any options you just did netball hockey in the summer there was rounders which I preferred a bit more than the others <laughs> but yeah okay. tennis yeah. options I tried tennis didn't really love it um, yes it was always kind of those any any kind of sports involve aim or yeah coordination or t- of a ball yeah a ball a stick or a terrible. racket or, or and your hand I mean that's Just quite terrible to, at it yeah. and then I think in sixth form there was an option to go to like the gym but it was at that point you know I didn't I'd go and sort of go on the sort of running or the elliptical machine and do yeah. cross trainer and do 20 minutes while watching whatever was on daytime tv in our one session we had a week mm. and I did do dance I, I started doing um they had the option to do like modern dance so I did was do, that sep- that was separate was it to PE it itself was, at the time? yeah it was mm. so I went to a boarding school so yeah. there was some extracurricular stuff that we could do as well so that was separate yeah. but also because I went to boarding school I couldn't do like activities outside school as much but at this point I loved acting and singing and stuff so yeah. doing a bit of dance was good through drama school I really enjoyed I was never great at the dance side of things but I quite enjoyed doing the the dance warm-ups mm. which did involve much more fitnessy type things and I did and yoga type things yeah. and so I've always liked that kind of stuff and we're, we, we have delved like back into school life for a purpose right and for yeah. a reason because we're trying to set this picture of yeah. this person who then went into have yeah. a career and then that career you decided that to stop to stop that and and then yoga came into yeah life. so I basically I'd done quite a lot of yoga at that point okay. in that that year and I think I was probably in a slimmer place in my life I've been up and down quite a lot um 
I, I've always sort of fluctuated quite a lot. Um, in terms of weight? Yeah, in weight, in terms of, I'll have got do like, I don't know, I think I probably yo-yo dieted quite a lot and that yeah. sort of thing. So I think it was probably a, I guess I was doing loads of exercise. I was eating, because I hated my job, I was like doing loads of exercise and just focusing on like every lunch I'd go and do a Joe Wicks workout or something downstairs in and they had like a little mini gym thing. I was doing, yeah, a lot of yoga as well. I always like yoga. I'm hypermobile, so though it's challenging some areas of yoga because it's not so good for you, it's made me like, I guess, bias in my like for it because it makes me quite naturally flexible and naturally Were you doing quite a, a lot of that independently? So the Joe Wicks thing was on on a screen and yeah, you were was, following yeah. along. A yoga? Was that? Yoga where I'd go to studios. Studios, yeah. And so I don't know, I think I'd done... I had done quite a lot of yoga ever since I moved to London and I think around 2012-13 I got really into yoga and then this was 2017 I think that I was working at ITV so I'd been doing it quite a lot at that point and I'd realised that I liked not just the yoga physical side of it but also that by that point I found the more mindful side of it. I think when I first started doing it when I was younger I was like I can't stay in these poses it's so boring but yeah, I got into it much more. I, I've always been really non-committal. So I'll do like, I wouldn't have a regular thing. I'd be like, um, I think this was also because when I was acting, I was so doing uh, like random jobs, shifts, different things around yeah. acting and then off going doing something. So I do lots of bits and bobs around that and I kind of carried on. So I can't actually remember how much yoga I was doing at the point where I sort of was into it more. But basically I'd been doing quite a bit up to then. I just, I can't remember. I didn't do it regularly, yeah. weekly or... Yeah, but or it sounds word, interestingly, um, and I'm going to jump forward to yeah. now, you are a yoga teacher and yes. the style, like I know you've got, you, do you have your regular sessions, but you cover a lot. So it's again, it's the yeah. same kind of style of as in yeah. you get a phone call and you're like, yes, I can do it or no, yeah, I can't do it. So it's, I think covering is stressful, but also... I guess I'm quite used to that flexible kind of place. It would be nice to have much more like regular classes, but I think in a way going through quite a lot of other stuff, the IVF as was mentioned, um, it's quite good to be in a place where I can say yes or no to doing things and not feel like, oh God, I've got to get six classes covered because I've just had an egg collection and I can't teach them all. So it suits at the moment. The reason I decided to do it is I'd just been at my desk about to give my notice at this, or maybe I'd given my notice at this at ITV and I'd been sat and just scrolling the internet because it was a quiet day. <laughs> well, it was more that I wanted to go, I wanted to travel because I hadn't travelled. I've always been someone that just, I need structure, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though I, was, I don't have it. But I like to do things that is, that's why I did drama school. It was like from from nine to six every single day, five days a week, mm. with something every single session, I couldn't have done uni. I just, I don't have the self-motivation to really make that that work. So I really enjoy going into sort of things where I learn something new and I really like having a full-on jam-packed day or whatever. So yeah. I wanted to travel, but I wanted to do something like a training or something. And I'd thought of for a while doing a yoga teacher training because a place that I went to yoga and fitness classes was doing one but it was in London and I'd been considering doing that but I also then saw that I didn't even know you could but do them abroad Mm -hmm. as like an abroad training and I thought well that's what I want to do because it's intensive it would be a complete immersion get to travel so I went and did uh, it was like three and a half weeks in Goa staying in a little like hut that yeah it was just it was 
completely out of my comfort zone but in a way that was best for the training I think to like immerse myself I thought if I did it in London and then getting on the tube afterwards what was it like every day so you up and in training every day yeah swim in the morning well so we started the we had a it's quite an intense yoga training as well I went for like the most dynamic practice you could (laughs) um and did so we said I think we started at seven but we did half hour of a meditation and at that point I was just not into meditation and so I was like fidgeting and shuffling I said half hour of meditation and then it was two hours of practice and then it would be breakfast and then we'd have a lecture for another two hours and then we'd have free time in the sort of hottest part of the day and then we'd have another lecture in the afternoon and dinner and then usually something after dinner as well we had like two days off in the whole three and a half weeks my partner Tom joined me after and we explored a bit more of Goa and then Kerala and went around so that was nice it was good but I learned I learned a lot in it I think I'd gone into that training with quite a lot of ego like oh I'm flexible oh you know I'd be in a yoga class before that training and kind of like looking around and going oh god she's got further than me or she looks better than me or she's whatever and just constantly in my head and it was it was probably more of a competition with myself than anything, but kind of constant com- comparing to others, uh, which is something I struggled a lot with. And then I think halfway through the yoga training, it was so intense. And I think my hypermobility just was pushed to its extremes when I didn't really know enough about it at the time. And by mid training, I could barely walk. I was just so, mm. and my wrists were hurting so much. I was, my shoulders were aching. I think I got tennis elbow or something. I, I like, I was just like complete, I could barely walk. And I was so upset with myself because it made me go, oh my God, I need, I can't do any of this stuff well. But what it gave me was this insight into how maybe beginners who maybe aren't flexible, who aren't, but still need the yoga coming to a class would feel, um, or people with chronic pain or people that, you know, need this practice, but maybe don't feel in inverted commas good at it. And so, I was able, that really was like a light bulb moment to sort of go back and see, oh, that's how it, that's how it feels. I, what can I do? What can I get from this in this place? And I was able to suddenly get loads more. And I think ever since then, I've gone a bit to practices and not been afraid to sort of just get into a child's pose for a bit or, and I always make that a real focus now of when I teach is just being really aware of all the different abilities. It's your people, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's what we say down like here in the hub is like, you know, you can have all the information and you can know everybody, but if you can't understand the people who are in front of you or yeah, hear their story or like live in their shoes, you know, for a bit, it's... Yeah, that's the key, isn't it? Yeah. So since 2017, you've been, um, yeah, just working different yoga studios, teaching, pandemic hit, and that went to... I, I was living in West London. I worked in a, a fitness studio front of house, and I was oh, yeah. teaching right. yoga, slowly picking it up. So by the time we were moving from renting in West London to buying in South East London, and at that point I had quite a few classes in and regulars in West London... And we moved about, I think it was January 2020. And I was prepared to sort of, okay, well, maybe get some, I thought going back to some admin work for a bit just to get some money up whilst I tried to build up 
the yoga again in southeast because mm. it was too far to go to all the way to sort of Hammersmith and beyond to teach just one or two classes a day. Yeah, for a month, I, well, I managed to get a part-time office manager role to go alongside my yoga, mm. of which suddenly then there was no yoga. Yeah. And I was in this office management role, which was then two weeks in an office, yeah, up until August this year. Even the times where maybe some of the yoga studios opened, it was very hard to break into the ones where you hadn't already been teaching. And also that was the last few years when we've been going through various sort of IVF bits and bobs and a lot of the time I've not really been in the headspace, mindset, place to teach. We knew we had to have it the start of 2021 in lockdown. We didn't actually start our rounds till October 21 because we had loads of tests first. I quite like variety but also just trying to find again because I've been a bit I I've ha- I was part-time working and then I'd be doing various bits and bobs around it so I'd just try and choose ones that work for me based on uh, on that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it was quite good and it was nice to sort of try different trainers. So hearing your history of like in school with movement stuff with dance and with yoga Um, And now you're back in a space with other people doing a different type of movement, different type of training. How does that feel now? I really like I really enjoy I think what I've realized in the last however many years is I have probably some natural strength. I like challenging myself within that. I like strength training, but something like Photology Hub so far has been perfect because maybe before the pandemic, I was all up for the sort of uber boutique, middle of London, like crazy, over the top, full of young 20-somethings, getting all all the gym bros and all this going on. And I'd probably go to those sort of things and feel like, okay, but equally a little bit like, oh, I'm not like these people, but at least I'm getting the workout and I feel strong. And I always felt strong in them. But I think when I was in lockdown, I I had like the first year of it, I did very little exercise or I was really struggling to do it. I guess a lot of people were similar in lockdown. Mm -hmm. And then I sort of was slowly building up and it felt like such a hill to climb. And after my last, the IVF round this time last year, I found it very, very hard. It felt like an absolute mountain to climb to do anything again. Mm -hmm. And I think I was... Constantly, yeah, physically and mentally. I remember doing a not long after the maybe about a month after that egg collection that was a year ago. I did an online uh, fitness video and it was sort of strength. And I remember it was at home and it was with some Instagram person. Um, and it was something that I probably would have had no trouble with a year before that. And I was doing it and it felt so hard. And I it was in in my own home, so I just. I just sort of like broke down in tears in the middle of the class and it was like a recorded one so it wasn't even you know live so it wasn't a problem but I just felt like oh god I can't do it I'm not I'm not able to have my strength anymore and that was unusual because even before the egg collection leading up to that previous one I had been I did a a fitness boot camp to 2021 summer and so I'd got quite fit in that and I'd been doing regular PT outdoors and but it just it just knocked me sideways that yeah. The IVF round, I think. Should we talk about why it knocks you sideways? So, yeah. like, just talk briefly, but talk through, like, just the amount... Well, first of all, the amount of emotion, emotion that goes into it. Yeah. The amount of drugs. Somebody described it to me one time, been there and done that. But yeah. that whole idea of, like, you're being brought through menopause and yeah. teenage hormones all yeah. in one <laughs> cycle yeah. within, what, 10 days? Yeah. And then it's, get knocked out. Yeah, and I think with that, yeah, I guess so you're on your hormones and I think by this point, and I, I know people have IVF for different reasons, but a lot of people 
sort of go, when we're having IVF, it's like, oh, that's so exciting. And it's like, well, it is exciting that we've got a chance to do this. It's not happening naturally for us, but mm. it's also like a very difficult thing to get ahead around. And it's that grieving kind of of it not being able to happen naturally for you. Yeah. And by that point often, I mean, we actually had only been trying for a year because we'd found out we had to have IVF. But a lot of people go into it having tried for three four years and then having to do all this so the injections and I was really slow to respond even though like I had good sort of prognosis with it um but because I was slow to respond you'd normally be on injections for 10 days and that time around I was on them for 16 days they make you very bloated and I made I just made myself not do any exercise in that time other than a few bits of walking and I just felt like sitting on the sofa most of the time and then the collection itself though it would have been fairly successful it, they'd managed to burst a blood vessel or something so I'd had a lot of a lot of bleeding and a really slow recovery it was quite a lot and I think because of that it slowed the ability to get back on it afterwards and that's not even the emotion that's just the physical side of it really it is indescribable I think because it's very hard to explain to people that haven't been through it I think we were saying this the other morning about the language and it's true like that word even the words like slow to respond or that is sort of a failure on your part exactly that take that personally it's um yeah so it was a lot to take on board and by that point we weren't even doing an embryo transfer straight away so we we knew we wouldn't be able to fit that in before Christmas I think last year so it was that it's just these constant periods of like limbo and waiting and you've got you've got a chance but you haven't taken it yet and there's no guarantee of it working so I think that physical for me the limbo part of things then the unknown and that being in between things and not having an answer and not knowing if something will work is the hardest part and having absolutely no control over it no control no you can do everything and we've talked earlier about this the fact that yeah the more recent egg collection you did everything from nutritionist (laughs) yeah acupuncture everything you needed to be doing and the results yeah were were not as positive as the time before and it's hard going that's hard going yeah it's a lot what I have realized is that more than most other things exercise is the thing that helps me the most in terms of my mental health with it all and I think obviously physical health because it helps me feel strong and I feel particularly with strength classes I feel like I'm accomplishing something maybe it's like a move I've not done before or a higher weight than I've done before but there's always something you can achieve and that's something that feels good when you feel like you're really not achieving anything else. I just want to go back to the time because it keeps coming into my head I want to mention it but is when you came to the strong woman workshop. (laughs) I I was like June was it because I was quite new I'd only been here. But also I was like convinced that you had all this in the bag but actually now more the more I get to know you a lot of that is a natural there is a natural sportiness there there's a natural strength that I think you shifted a lot more weight than a lot of us did on that day how did that feel I was I think I said to someone when I went home I think we were doing that um the yoke the yoke which is like (laughs) let me describe this the yoke is this thing that is really heavy and it's just this thick bar that goes across the back of your shoulders and it's stable, so it's on the ground. It has like four kind of almost like legs, right? But it is. It's it, you start at about seventy or eighty kilos. That thing. Yeah. And you stand it up, so it's kind of you're crouching a little bit, and then you stand it up. And we spent quite a long time on it, didn't we? And yeah. we added weight, and we added more weight, and we added yeah. more weight. What did you get to in the end? Do you remember? Two hundred kilos. Yeah. You were able to stand two hundred kilos up on your back. 
shoulders. That's pretty amazing. I think there's a lot to be said for positive, not positive thinking. That's that can be used in a really detrimental way when it's said. But in terms of like a confidence of doing something, and if it's sort of I can do this, I feel that helps. And I think that I have that with strength training. There'll be bits, like, I definitely don't have that with endurance, running, that sort of thing. So in my head, when I'm doing those things, I say, I can't do this. I'm really bad at it. Insert past history, life, experience. Is there is there anything in that that... Because I want to talk to you a little bit about risk-taking mm. and the fact that at some point when you were lifting that weight, you had to fail. Yeah. Although I think you probably could have kept going. I think we ran out of time. Yeah, <laughs> but with strength training, with yeah. weights, with when you pick things up or whatever the movement is, at some point you can't physically do the yeah. weight. And it's a really yeah. lovely, like, I'm going to push myself to the point where I can't lift that thing. Yeah. And it might only be one rep. So you're not like sweating and it's not that mm-hmm. endurance. It's not that slog that yeah. I know I've experienced in the past as well. What do you think about that? And linking that back to your like childhood in a private school was there an expectation to perform not not in the physical side of things but to be good at other subjects I do find it quite hard if I can't that sort of feeling of this was too much weight Mm. or something I do find that that quite hard to accept but I mean I'm much better at now I was naturally quite bright as as a young child so I never really worked hard for anything I I don't have it diagnosed but there's probably some uh ADHD maybe going on Mm. that I need to look at because I was definitely one of those daydreamy kids that would just never really commit to doing anything of their homework never really get down to doing anything but yet just did okay in sort of tests and exams because I was naturally quite bright in primary and Mm. early secondary school even GCSEs was kind of fine with the, I'm very good at memorising things, so tick boxy type answers. What kind of feedback did you get at that point? Was that all like, do, could do better? Could do. If she wasn't daydreaming all the time. Yeah. A star If she applied a. more. <laughs> yeah, I was a constant B student. Yeah. So it'd be better if she did, you know, wasn't always like fiddling or distracting others. <laughs> I was never like naughty, but I was like annoying to teachers I think (laughs) I was just one of those kids that was just always a bit sort of like head in the clouds kind of person so in terms of like achievement across the board you did pretty well yeah up until GCSEs I did fine in my GCSEs and then it got to A levels it was all essays and essay subjects I just was awful awful essays and I just couldn't get my head around them. And because I can't do things in advance, I'd cram an essay the night before. And then obviously you have to do them in uh, exams and I just get exam nerves and I just get a pot for things like that. I just find all of that really fascinating because it comes out in the physical. So uh, like going back to when you were in Goa and you suddenly, you know, you were good at this thing and you could look around you and observe other people because physically you were capable and able to do it and then suddenly you weren't and you had to go humble up and and that was one of the only times in my life I've I've humbled up and gone through it and found because I am definitely someone who if I find something hard I just give up how does it feel when you're in the hub in terms of that because you're around a really interesting mix of people as well right like some people are lifting heavier in one thing, you're lifting heavier in something yeah, else. It, yeah, it's and, a real mix. And, yeah. I don't feel it as much, I don't think. Um, and I don't know why. I think just generally over the last few years, I've 
particularly since the yoga training and everything I have been better at that and also because I've been humbled by like that experience having IVF and feeling like starting from the bottom again putting on weight and just not being in a place that I've felt in the past and so I think it's nice to have both moments of feeling a lot of achievement and also being really kind of happy and excited for others who are doing a different achievement or doing better on this one thing and you're maybe doing better on this other thing or better is a silly word but you know more weights or whatever it's that feeling and that's actually really nice because then it gives you um something to work towards as well but also you kind of what I've started to realize is that all those years I spent comparing myself to everyone else in a room it was absolutely pointless because everyone has different muscles different genes different things going on in their lives different health issues or not different time to do exercise or not and I think that was always quite a like big learning curve which I've massively taken into my yoga teaching and so I think yes now when I'm exercising it's very much always for me competition with myself and not other people but even then I'm much more kinder to myself than I used to be if I can't do something now I might get annoyed in the moment but then I can let it go and just go well that's fine and that's maybe because it's not the right day for me or as something is hormones I've become so aware of hormones and my cycle and things like that and know that there'll be parts of my cycle where I'll be able to lift more than others times of the day energy mood and when you're in that movement and yeah I think the yoga's helped me with that it's just made me so being a teacher and sort of doing a lot of practice of yoga helped me be really in touch with my body and how I felt and I'm really careful now to not push people or push myself through times where my body's like no but equally to know when my body's when it's more my mind just saying oh I don't know I don't think I can and body's going well let's give it a go you know because I think that we had that through some of your more more recent the IVF stuff where you'd be on drugs or in a particular part yeah. of that where you were like I'm not sure if I should and it was more yeah. around actually what can I physically yeah. do in this on this day or at this time and for that to be okay like I don't need to again be the best in the in the group or I don't need to be at my best yeah. to be moving I don't need to be good at the thing that I'm doing yeah. <laughs> Which is all a learning curve, isn't it? Yeah, so there was a few days when I was first on the injections and I sort of took a break for about maybe a week and a half. And then I think photology was the first bit of fitness I did again after the egg collection this time. And I was like, I'm just going to take it easy and just see how it goes. And actually, I ended up surprising myself and thinking, oh, this feels fine and then there was a bit where we were lying on our stomach doing sort of lifts and I was like, oh no, this doesn't feel great. I'll take this easier. It's just knowing that that's fine and that's okay. And This whole idea of fear and trying to get rid of that fear and trusting in our bodies yeah. and trusting in ourselves to know that. And that, it, again, yeah. it's okay to go, oh God, yeah, I'm feeling a bit weird there. I can't do that. Can yeah. I, I'll do something else. And, and that you've got that wealth of knowledge and understanding and, if, and you have a coach that can support... Yeah. Yeah. in changing things up and just allowing you to enjoy that movement right? yeah and that definitely makes a massive help because I think having a coach that can sort of see your potential and what you can do but also accept when you need to slow down or when you feel that and respect that is so helpful because I am someone who definitely often does need pushing more um in things and I think it's good like uh, something see I would disagree well, maybe not in strength training. I'm like, <laughs> Charlie, rewind, rewind. 
I know, as in, because you do push yourself and you yeah, do no, expect do the very best of yourself. Yeah. yeah. But then maybe in life it's, it is, it's all that, like, uh, may, maybe that's what we're all searching for, is that yeah. thing that makes you want to get out of bed in the morning, right? And, yeah. like, um, that you feel naturally motivated and yeah. it's coming from that kind of intrinsic feeling rather than it being an external it's something you want to do like for me it's something I want to do I think you know there's some people who absolutely adore running and like jump out of bed and want to go for a run in the morning really don't like lifting weights and would hate going to strength class and that's fine and I'm the absolute opposite I think probably photology is one of the first things I've ever done in my life I actually like really enjoy coming and I'm like currently doing the 6.30 on a Monday morning when I don't work on Mondays so it's not like I'm doing it before work but I've obviously like having you as a coach and sort of know that that's what I want to do and like it makes it I don't roll out of bed on Monday at six and go oh god I've got to go to this I'm like great let's go I'm excited what are we going to do today because then it impacts as well your the night before, right? It impacts, okay, yeah, I've got yeah. my session in the morning, I want to go to bed. And then it impacts your, your decision-making, you know, for that whole rest yeah. of that day because you feel good about yeah. what you've done. And so there's two days of the week. You know, yeah. you're doing one hour, but to, it impacts yeah. yeah, a couple of days in your week, which is, yeah, when people ask me, is an hour enough? I'm like, that is a bloody great start because of the influence that it has, the knock-on yeah. effect. Yeah prior and, and post session and good, um, doing one on a Monday morning is definitely a good start to the week I think yeah. going back to it wouldn't be if it wasn't the thing that you enjoy doing no, so if be. you're pulling no. yourself out yeah yeah it's good to have something you really enjoy where you may be achieving something at the start of a week because I think it sets on a good place I've never been very big or very small I've always been kind of medium and then verging on smaller of medium or bigger of medium because I'm short, there's always been a sort of like, if I was taller, I would stretch out a bit more. <laughs> um, so there's a bit of that. And it's genetic as well. I, you know, as a child was often the, I went to a primary school that was actually mostly boys. And there was very few girls. And of the five girls in my class, initially, I think the other four were little rakes, you know, little tiny skinny things. And I wasn't. And we do, you know, ballet and things like that. And I wasn't dainty and I wasn't delicate. And so I always, as a teacher, didn't really get me because of that as well. Were you told then, though, that you were strong and capable? And do you remember that feeling or was it always the feeling of I'm the odd one out here? I would think my mum would say things like that but I can't remember anyone else really I remember being sort of skinny little friends I had sort of you know and and that sort of seven eight year old way of calling me fat when I know I wasn't looking back but you know I wasn't tiny and so that was kind of a challenge and then I was always I guess at secondary school I don't know and it was an all-girls private boarding school secondary school which you know was rife with girls with eating disorders I think in my year there was five people left at different points because of having an eating disorder or something very similar and then the ones I knew about. And I think for majority of women there's a, a sense of the TV in the 90s and was often so weight related and a slimming world and Weight Watchers was rife and it was all about being Kate Moss and this and that. And I have a bum. I, I've always had a bum and curvy legs and that was not the fashion then it has more recently been so but it definitely wasn't then and so there was always just feeling really like not 
like everyone else and not feeling good in that way and then in secondary school as I said it was a real mix of people but yeah a lot of eating disorders I never had but I always had that sort of tendency to sort of think oh I should be eating this I shouldn't be eating that and that came more as I got older and then even more so at drama school particularly in musical theatre two three people had eating disorders and they were just the severe ones every other girl at least and maybe some of the guys had disordered eating if not eating disorders because you're basically told when you start particularly musical theatre you either want to be if you're a medium-sized person you're told either put on weight or slim down because you're not going to get work because if you watch a musical they're always either much bigger girls in the character roles or skinny little things as the lead roles And so you are in that kind of mindset. And I think I had a really difficult start to my third year. And I just, I was like, the only thing I can control is food and exercise and things like that. And I I felt really low about my talent at that point because I had a bad run in with one of my teachers who wasn't very good with words let's say and so I felt like yeah I needed to control something so I think I remember at the time just as I said I I never had an eating disorder but I remember wishing I had I wishing I was like remember thinking to myself I wish I had the willpower to be anorexic which is obviously not what is about at all but that's what I had in my head and I remember eating like very little for very controlled very little meals for about a term and losing loads of weight and everyone being like oh my god you look amazing oh my god you've lost so much weight you look amazing and I was like oh my god great I'll carry this on then but then I was like oh my god I can't carry this on this is so hard and what if I eat this what if I eat that and I I was able to get past that I think it's dangerous saying well done you've lost weight to people when you have sort of disordered eating behaviours and you're coming from a place that's maybe already a bigger body there's a lot further to go. If a lot, if someone who's already quite thin has an eating disorder, it's very obvious very quickly that they have an eating disorder. And I think there's a very low level of awareness of women who have eating disorders in bigger bodies because they're doing the same things, but it's just not apparent to the outside world because of the way we see bodies. But yeah, as I said, I, it wasn't that much for me, but but then, yeah, and then there was other bits as I got older, it was, it became more of a health thing and oh, for health, I need to eat these things and these things and these things. And I had a slight blood pressure issue and I was like, oh my God, I need to fix this. And it just would constantly be it very all or nothing mindset of like, right, I've got to not eat this. And then, oh, damn it, I've failed. I'm going to eat everything. And then until I start again. And then I think it was that same. So much energy and so much, so much time put into that. And that is, and it's an expectation, not of yourself, but of the outside world. Yeah. Yoga. How does it all fit with that? I think it was around that time that I was training to do yoga or just trained. When I used to go to yoga classes because of this sort of Instagram yoga vibe of, again, long limbed, very slim, no muscle, obvious muscle people doing these yoga poses and things like that. I always felt a bit out of place in a class initially, waiting to go in. And then I would do a class and feel, it was back when I was still in my compare head, but I would do a class and feel like, okay, well, I can do these poses and these skinny girls can't, and I can do this and I'm strong enough to do this and these girls can't, which again is not a particularly helpful way of thinking, but it gave me a bit of able to go, so it's not about what you look like. But then going into the the training, I I did feel like that again. 
on the training, it, I'd be fine. And then I'd see a photo someone had taken and I'd see myself compared to some of the others. And I'd just be like, but it's so what? deep, isn't it? It's so yeah, just in you. And, and it's, it, yeah. it takes a lot of work to, to move that forward. And how have you moved that forward? It's been a challenge. Like when I came back from yoga training, I was at the time listening to a lot of podcasts about um, intuitive eating and rejecting kind of diet culture and stopping diets as such because I think where I'd come from is a place I can't remember if it was the start of 2017 or start of 2018 but basically I'd been on some sort of macro diet where I was force feeding myself to eat chicken breasts and not allowing myself to eat broccoli because at this point it was just as one day I was like no I've got to have the chicken and not the broccoli because I'm already over on my macros for my carbohydrates today so I can't and and then I was like Charlie what are you doing you are forcing yourself to not eat a vegetable because of some ridiculous thing that you know may or may not work but is it making you healthy or happy and from then I actually was like no I want to eat all the vegetables and I think I was so put off meat that I stopped eating meat for a bit I'm now I would say flexitarian <laughs> I mostly vegetarian um but occasionally fish and occasionally chicken but yes that sort of move to sort of just go no I need to do what I feel right I don't need to rely on like some levels that someone who doesn't even know me has written out and see how it affects me and I think I definitely still go in phases but what I don't do now is I don't go on diets I think about it sometimes still um but then I'm able to challenge myself and go it's a balance it's a balance and it's it's a way I'm finding I'm able to eat and I remember I can't remember if it might have been possession here or somewhere else but someone in the class said, oh my goodness, I had a bar of chocolate this weekend and I couldn't just have a bit, I had to have all of it. Can anyone here just have like a piece of chocolate in the evening? Like, can anyone actually do that? That Like you read about it, but no. And I was like, I can, I do. I mean, not always, but generally I can. And they're like, how, how do you do that? That's crazy. Like if I have a bar of chocolate, I just have to eat it all so it's not in the house anymore. And I was like, I've definitely been there and I've yeah. done that and found that a lot but for me it was about when I stopped restricting it when I stopped thinking that's a bad food if it's a bad food in my head I have to eat it really quickly and make sure it's not there and then I'm like oh but I still want some so I buy some more and it you know and it just ends up going like this whereas if I just think of that as that's something I have you know in my house as much as I want whenever I want it it's there it kind of almost maybe you go through a stage of eating quite a lot of it and then you realize well it's already always there it's not running out and it's not bad I don't need that and so now I, some days I will have more than other days, but generally there'll be some days I'm like, I don't even need that. I found that, yeah, it, it it's definitely not perfect, but for me there is a lot more balance and for me I've realised there's a lot more food doesn't have to just be nutritious or non-nutritious. It can also be nurturing and... And enjoyable, like enjoyable. We, we can enjoy food we can enjoy life mm-hmm. we can it doesn't need everything doesn't need to be a punishment right exactly. exercise should not be a punishment it should be something that you enjoy yeah. like our jobs if we're if we're lucky enough to be in that position yeah. you know like our relationships like everything and yeah. and healthy eating doesn't need to be no. chicken broccoli and rice yeah. it, I think this is the thing is like embracing for me was embracing things that maybe on paper have higher fat content higher calories or whatever but eating you know rather than three bland foods and not enjoying it Mm. having you know avocado and egg and a bit of cheese and 
whatever and hummus on a, and and lots of vegetables and you know there's quite a lot of oh there's loads of fat things on there but you know Yummy. great <laughs> bring it on and your yoga practice now do people come to your sessions like a, a complete mix like how 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 are people approaching yoga do you find a nice mix when i was teaching regularly which was just before the pandemic i did find that at that point what i did have coming to my people i did have coming to my class a lot of the time was people that did quite like you know having someone more relatable as a teacher i mean some people do choose their fitness or their yoga teachers to be sort of aspirational like oh i want to look like them i want to but i think a lot of people now just want someone relatable that they can go you know i like you know they look like me and they're still able to do this stuff so maybe i can do those stuff you know and i think that is that was really nice having that kind of the, those client clients coming but yeah i think we were talking the other day about um your style as well your like style of yeah. training has has brought in that kind of strength element and that yeah. so i focus a lot on strength in yoga and i think a lot of people that think that means like oh we have to put in like power yoga and lots of push-ups and lots of this that and the other but actually for me it's about activating the muscles within within the poses and just sort of being really aware of of that so in my head i could someone could go to or for me if i went to a slow beginners in inverted commas yoga practice or a slow flow or a gentle yoga class i could still be having a sweat feeling really strong afterwards because of the activation of the muscle and i think sometimes just being aware of that that helps and that's that's those are things those little activations are the things that's helping those muscles those joints in the long run and building up the stuff to be able to do yeah so it's i think with with yoga it's all about core strength and strength because you won't be able to do any of the moves healthily for your body if you don't have the strength i suggest anyone doing yoga when i'm teaching it that they also do strength alongside it and core or both charlie thank you very very much for coming to chat to us about everything <laughs> we chat about so much there yes <laughs> i can talk for, for britain so. no thank you so much and um yeah let's carry on lifting heavy things yes. and doing strong yoga and uh, yeah having having an influence reclaiming yourself the podcast brought to you with fitologyhub.com if you enjoyed the conversations please use your podcast app to follow or subscribe for free